Welcome to this week's podcast by Celebration Church Rarotonga. We believe this message will empower and equip you to live a life of breakthrough. Thanks for joining us. I want to share this today. I love James's message about giving explanation about the baptism of the Holy Spirit last week. We're continuing on with this theme. God wants his church back. God wants his church back. He wants you back. And so I'm going to talk about some things, and I'm going to throw some statements out today, and I, I ask that you'd listen, you'd, 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 you'd just uh, trust my heart on these things, but I ask you to open up your hearts to listen to some things that the Lord has for us as a, a congregation this morning. And uh, what God is doing around the world is really unique. Uh, there is a repentance move coming. Uh, there's the prophetic has been released, which is a message of alignment. Um, the best way to talk about that is having a plumb line, uh, like a, a string with a weight at the end of it. It's perfectly straight. And then next to it, if anything that falls down beside that is a little bit curved, it's called crooked. Okay, and the other way to put it is this way. Sometimes we can think we're doing good or we're walking righteously and we're like a, 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 and a, sh- we're like a, uh, a sheep. And a sheep looks white until it goes right up against snow. Then you realize how dirty and grubby and how yellowy this color the sheep really is. And that's exactly the same. We can think we're walking great as a nation, as a church, and as a people group in God until the light of the Holy Spirit comes upon us and says you've got pride or you've got gossip, you've got unclean lips, you've got judgments of heart, you've got negligence. And he begins to speak to us. So I'm going to talk along these lines today. And uh, I believe God wants to move in the spirit of repentance upon the church, generally speaking. And because uh, we're not going to inherit, we're not going to go into the blessings of the Lord. In fact, um, I'll just throw this out a little bit. You know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I've, if you look at Scripture, there actually is a process to get the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I, I can back it up scripturally, but Mark sixteen fifteen, it was actually Derek Prince that said this. He said, these signs shall follow. And then it says this, in my name, they will cast out demons. Okay, cast out demons, number one. They will speak in new tongues, number two. He said, the Lord spoke to me out of that, and he said, it just clarified, some people never receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the major infilling of the empowerment of God, because they've got demonic strongholds around their mentality, around their lives. And they've agreed with the demons. Okay? So you could agree with the fence. You could agree with uh, different things around your life like that. So, so, so this is the process. Capture this because it's important. He's in Africa ministering the uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit upon thousands, actually, of Africans. He said it, just, he said it confused me because nothing was really happening. He said it was frustrating. There wasn't much of a response at all. And he said, we would just pray for them and we would teach. We would, he said, we would teach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he said, still there was no manifestation. Nothing was happening at all. It was like, what's going on? And the Lord spoke to me out of that verse, the casting demons, then the speaking tongues. And I realized, oh, I realized we have to break the demonic first before the release of the Holy Ghost at that level. Okay. And uh, he said, so we changed it around and we began to teach on the ministry of deliverance. And we took the African people through it all. There was manifestations of people being set free on mass scale. 
We would do that for over a few weeks. And then we taught on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We reintroduced it to the people. And he said it was incredible. The Holy Spirit came down like a wind of fire. And he said people were just falling down under the power of God everywhere. And, and, and it was uh, tongues were coming forward, the rivers of living water, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, tongues of clothing fire. And so there is a process. And so I've always believed in the life of the church, and I want to share this, and it's something I, I, I am convicted of. I, 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 I am convicted of this, is that there are people who are born again in the church, but they, uh, they have invisible uh, internal invisible spiritual roots around their life that are demonic and it stops them from really entering in on God's favorable blessing for them as a family, as a marriage, as an individual. And because we house the demonic, if you like, we house the stuff, we don't teach on it enough. And so therefore what happens is because we're not teaching on it and not releasing the Holy Ghost at that level, what happens is this, we're not coming into the fullness of God's presence. And I would say, and I say this absolutely respectfully, I don't believe we are walking in the fullness of Christ. I don't think we're walking in the fullness of His power. Definitely not. We are no way near, no way even close to it. As a country, we definitely aren't. But as even as a church, we're definitely not. So the Lord is, God knows where he needs to get us to go. So he begins to equip us and speak to us. So we begin to respect the processes. Now, when you go into the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they were cut to the heart. This is a non-Christian, religious, pharisaical, mixture crowd said to Peter on hearing about their clothes and tongues of fire. They were perplexed. Some mocked it. Others said, And Paul began to proclaim, he said, the Holy Spirit, this is the promise that the book of Joel talked about. Joel the prophet, it shall come to pass where I shall pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And it begins to move through the scripture here prophetically. He either knew the scripture or he's speaking it prophetically, but either way, it's coming forth. And then he begins to talk about it. And he says, you basically crucified the Son of God, guys. You guys, you were all part of it. And they were cut, the Bible says, to the heart. And that's a very powerful word. When you are cut, it's like in the soul nature, you are so, uh, you have contrition. And it's more than remorse. It's more than tears. It's like a, a brokenness on the inside. God, I've murdered my child. Or, or God, and it's, it's like a realization. It's a revelation of our sin. They were cut to the heart. And then they cried out and they said, what must we do to be saved? And the first word he says is this, is repent. Repent for the remission of sins, for the forgiveness of the sins, that you might have times of refreshing the Holy Spirit. When you start preaching in repentance, you're going to get a reaction. You're going to get people that are going to love it. You're going to get people that are going to hate it. Because the demonic hate repentance, because that's the key. That's the door. That's the window. That's the breakthrough, repentance. You adjust something in your heart, God comes. So this is how we must understand this. What's happened is this, there are a lot of people in the church that respectfully haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit. They haven't been. Because the signs are what? The signs are tongues. Not a, no, we're talking about a real tongue, an angelic tongue or a foreign language that God deposits in you that comes out of you, that comes out of your belly, a tongue. What else is there? There's praise. They praised Him. All the inhibitions went. The self-consciousness went. 
all the, just the worry about what people think, and it was high praise. When I listen to our service in the morning, I cannot feel the baptism of the Holy Spirit amongst some people. I can amongst others. I feel the baptism of the Holy Spirit upon you, Donna. And, you know, I can feel it in the worship because there's kind of like, and she says to me the other week, I, I feel like I don't care what anybody thinks. I just want to shout. I want to hollow. I want to dance before the Lord. That's the baptismal power coming on upon the people. They ridiculed it, the opposition, if you like. And they thought, how about this? They thought they were drunk, and the Bible says they were mocking them. But the Holy Spirit came upon them and overshadowed them. And they were clothed into different anointing or different power. What else is there? Boldness. Incredible, the intimidation. You've got to realize those guys were freaked out at the resurrection, basically, apart from John, really. You know, uh, took off and hid and Peter and the lot. And Jesus is by himself. But when the baptism comes on, they stood up, knowing that Stephen had been stoned to death, their brother. He doesn't worry about it because I've seen Christ and the resurrection of Christ. I've seen the, as witnesses, I've seen the ascension of the Lord. They are baptized with the power of God. And the Bible says they were filled with boldness. And they began to speak the word of God with power. There's about four to five different scriptures in Acts where it talks about they spoke with great power. They were not intimidated by religion. Now, you've got to understand, religion is a murderous spirit if you allow it to go to its logical conclusion. The religion is the thing that's opposed to the workings of the spirit. It's like a false garment or a false mantle that people wear around them. We're, we're performers. We're, we're dress-up people. And we give dead messages on dead congregations. I'm just giving it to you now. Might as well. I'm out there. But, but, but it's, it's religion. And the Bible says this. It's a, having a form of godliness. So we can talk about some of the things of God, but it denies the power. It denies the Holy Spirit. The church, our churches today, respectfully, are almost unrecognizable. The churches, the root of the church, or the foundation of the church, is in the Holy Spirit. That's, that's our DNA. That's our uh, point of reference. That's our connection. And anything outside of that, we're not experiencing heaven on earth. Part of me is, is, is the seeking of souls to get people born again. Okay, I'm going to throw this out. I believe there's a huge amount of people uh, in the churches in Rarotonga who aren't born again and going to heaven. Huge amount. Do I have to repeat that? Somebody once said 80% of New Zealand Christians, professing Christians, aren't really born of the Spirit of God. We've got to be born of water. We've got to be born of the Spirit to enter the kingdom of God. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to chip at some foundations this morning because this is important. What is a Christian? I want to hear what a Christian is from God's perspective, not from the church perspective. We can flower things up here. We can make people feel good. We want to hear it from the Bible's perspective. All right? The definition of being saved. The Bible says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, every one of us. If this is the last message I was ever to preach here, I'd preach this message. That's how important it is. 
The condemnation of the world is this, is that people loved darkness more than they loved God or more than they loved light. That's the verdict. The Bible, Jesus said, this is the condemnation of the world, that people actually loved darkness. You've got to realize that people love darkness more than they do God. We cannot church, and brothers and sisters, and I love you to bits this morning, we cannot sit in the middle of that. We have to be out from it. We have to be in, in love with Jesus like this. But God, who's rich in his mercy, sent Jesus Christ to die for our sins, that whoever should believe in him should not die, but have everlasting life. Salvation, salvation being born again. Romans says this is the most important decision you're going to make. It's more important than your education. It's actually more important than who you marry. It's more important than what country or island you reside in. It's more important than your career. It's more important than your friends and what position you have in work. It's more important than all the wealth you can acclaim or the status you can acquire in life. This decision is an eternal decision because when you die, you live. Not like the JWs believe that you actually drop it and you, you, it's annihilation and that sort of stuff. No, no, you are a spirit person. You might have, uh, you know, the, the girl that, and the guy that they have a baby in the back car of the seat have no idea that they've created a life, an eternal being. Every abortion is still an eternal being. If we miss this decision, that's it. We don't get a second chance. You can't come back and say, oh, my goodness, I didn't realize. Now things make sense. That guy up the front in that black shirt and gray trousers that spoke to me that time, I never listened to it, but I knew something was going on. That's it when we die. That's it. But for a Christian, once we die, the Bible says to be absent from the flesh is to be present with the Lord. So the most important decision, Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. For the wages. Sin has a payout. Sin brings depression. Sin brings brokenness. It brings hopelessness. It brings brokenness to our own lives. It brings brokenness, you ready, to relationships. But God, who's rich in his mercy, you ready for this? He became sin for us that we wouldn't have to go into a lost eternity. He basically said, I will be in your stead. I will be like a lawyer when you need him most of all. I will be the mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. I will take your wretched sin, your brokenness and your rebellion and so forth that everybody has. I will take that and I will nail it to the cross. I will pay with my righteous, pure life and I will nail that. That'll be me. I will take it. I will take on the form of sin and sickness and infirmity. But in return, you have to, all you have to do is put your faith and you put your trust in me. It's not rocket science. All you have to do is believe and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Now with that, that's a bit of a, we've got a bit of a problem with that right there. I would just, you ready for this? I would just confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, but I'm not going to be a disciple or a follower of Jesus. So it means that I run for a free ticket into heaven, but I'm not going to be a follower. You can't. <laughs> you can't do that. If Jesus is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. It's not about a little bit of following Jesus and I'm doing my own thing. No, it's about you surrendering your entire life over to him. It's about you taking up your cross and me taking up my cross daily and following Him. 
It's about us emptying out of our pride and our judgments and our criticisms and our offenses and our, our lusts and our, our appetites and our uh, uh, passions like this, worldly passions and our, these kinds of things and impulses and nailing to the cross every day. Okay, let me go through. I haven't stopped on this yet. The worst thing I could imagine that I preached and sounded out a message, but there wasn't the response when there should have been a response or there could have been a response because we held back on Bible truth. Uh, uh, you, you can go to boys' brigade and still not go to heaven. You can go to girls' brigade. You can be brought up in the church. I've heard people tell me this. They said it was my great-great-grandparents the start of this church. Do you think the devil cares about that? Do you think that's like God thinks, oh, well, I never even knew that. Come on in, son. It's religious pride. It doesn't mean diddly squat. Because we've been to Bible school and we've got a certificate. Because we're walking around with a title, I'm an elder, I'm an evangelist, I'm a pastor. There will be, blow your way now, there will be pastors that will end up in hell. Jesus was clear on that. You can take the Holy Eucharist or communion. You can be baptized as an infant. You can be water baptized and still not make it. So, so what then does make it? You can own a Bible. You can own 10 Bibles. You can even pray. Religious people pray. Now, somebody told me this one's a scary. Everything a Christian can do, a non-Christian can mimic it in terms of character. Wow. Winky Prattney says that. It's, but it, isn't that true? We can be kind. So can they. We can have some mercy and benevolence, so can they. We can give to the poor, so can they. We can lay our do- lives down for people, so can they. It's about your sins being blood-bought. It's your sins being absolutely covered. Isaiah says, I'll remember their sins no longer. We must be born, born of the Spirit of God. It's very important that we come to a place where we realize that we are a sinner. Now, how about as a Christian? What fruit is there that even prove that I am a Christian? How do I know that I've actually crossed that line? And this is where it gets uh, really interesting. In Luke 14, 33, So likewise, whoever of you who does not forsake, which means to renounce and let go of, all that he has cannot be my disciple. You can have money, you can have all the money in the world, but if it owns you, you're in problems. It's God owning it, and you've been a funnel and a channel. And if you want me to spend it on this, I will. If you want me to save it, I will. It's got nothing to do with me, Lord. It's your money. We dedicate our kids to the Lord. A a disciple is not an elite graduate. Now, this is what happens is we believe that there are Christians, and therefore the ticket. God, and who's rich in his mercy, means that I will go in. I didn't quite live for him, that's for sure, but I will go in. No, no, you are so mistaken. And there are... They kind of think, well, I know there's us over here, and there's the radical guys in the church. They seem to worship and be embarrassed themselves and dance up and, 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 and seem to go to the pre-meetings and that. But that's just not me, man. It's just not me. I don't even have a desire to do that. Interesting. And we kind of like, these guys over here are, are disciples. And it's like some elite brigade or, uh, or elite 
grade of Christians and they're just going to get bitter awards and they're just going to be, they're cooler with God. Uh-uh-uh-uh-uh. No. Every, I want you to get this, and this is, this is, this is the message, the first part of the message. This is it. That every single, you ready for this? Every single Christian, every single Christian, ready for this? Watch this. Again, you've got to, every single Christian is a disciple. Did you capture that? Every Christian is a disciple. That's what you are. You're a follower of the teachings of Christ. You're a follower of the heart and the nature of Christ. It's not about, I'm a Christian. Bill Clinton says he's a Christian. Seriously, Obama once said he's a Christian. My father said to me, you want a good job in life, son, just say you're a Christian because you must be a respectful person and pay your tax and you're kind to people. That was the way up in the ladder many years ago in the 60s and 70s. You put that on your CV, I am a Christian. People think you're a good person. In fact, it was so bad in American culture, if you said to someone you're not a Christian, they'd be offended because you're really saying I'm not a good person in society. Sometimes I think we need to get rid of, put an X over that word Christian. We're followers of Christ, the Messiah. We're followers of the Son of God. We say we're in a Christian nation. This is not a Christian nation. I think it's a religious nation. I think we understand the concept of God uh, uh, objectively, but until everybody begins pretty much to give their lives over to Christ, we can call ourselves a Christ-like nation. But right now, I don't think we are. You said that's a horrible thing to say. Well, I, I don't know. I love you to bits, but you've got to wear it. No, seriously, I, I think it is. How many non... Oh, man, don't get me started. Please, I'm not saying that to be... Uh, a, a, a trendy preacher, don't get me started, but it's a reality. A disciple is not an elite graduated Christian who is just a little bit more spiritual and dedicated than the rest. That's not a disciple. If any man will come after me, let him take up his cross daily and follow me. If you want to be a disciple or follow me, you forsake all that you have. This is, this is, this is to do with lordship. Wouldn't it be good if because of this message you adjusted something in your life and said, God, I'm being a phony. I didn't realize that. I didn't understand that. And you were saved from the clutches of a lost eternity because somebody stood up and said something that made a lot of sense one time. We've got to get rid of the religious clutter and the religious confusion and bring forth the simplicity of the gospel. Because people think they're saved and they're not. What a terrible mistake. It was John Bevere said this, that he had a vision of thousands and thousands of people rejected at the great white throne. And he said they were shocked. But did not Jesus foretell that in Matthew 7, 21? Everybody that says, Lord, number one, Lord, uses it twice. Must be pretty special. When you say, Lord, Lord, sounds like an identification but they weren't even in the fold. Now, 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 okay, so we've got this. We're going to move on a little bit. This is Jesus now speaking. Luke 8, 11, 16. This is a parable. He spoke these ways so people could understand it quite easily. A parable of a farmer throwing out seeds, scattering seeds. We would have uh, turtle plants and planting them in. We'd have seeds of, uh, I don't know, corn seeds. We would have, uh, what else seeds have we got around here? What's that? Watermelon seeds. Thank you, Ben. Got watermelon seeds. A seeds that go into the ground, and we look after, we nurture, and cultivate it. If it's a seed, a healthy seed, guess what? It will grow. 
it produces after its own kind. This is Jesus telling us an example, very, very important for us. Ready? Verse 11. Now the parable is this. The seed scattered, you ready, is the word of God. That is the seed. So that's very important we understand that. That's got to have to be important in our mind. Grasp that. The seed that we're talking about here is the word. Verse 12. Now, there are four different people that Jesus identifies. This is not to do with sanctification. It's not to do with some people living more righteously than others and different soils of people's hearts. This is actually to do with salvation. I think we need to understand that. Uh, because the Bible says, lest they should believe and be saved. It's to do with salvation. And I, I don't want you to think about your neighbors, please. I, listen, I've had to go through this myself. I say, God... Am I in a delusion? Because I can pastor the church and do righteous things. But I need to, the Bible says, I need to check and to prove that I'm still part of the faith. Paul said, after I preach, I could be disqualified. It's not that we're walking down the road and we can leak out our salvation like that. It's not like that. No, but we can move our hearts this way. We could do it in a marriage. We could do it with the Lord. Okay, for those by the wayside. Can everybody say wayside this morning? The wayside speaks of a condition of one man's heart. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then Satan or the devil comes and takes away the word out of their heart. Wow, that's interesting. Is it possible that somebody be sitting and thinking, that was a really good uh, message, Pastor, and next week they're not even, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've been to that church. It's like the, the enemy takes the word out of the heart. Now, it's hard to understand that or hard to intellectually grasp that, but I think we've got to go deeper. If Jesus said it, it's a real thing. Lest they should believe and be saved. <clears throat> to do with salvation. Number two, verse 13, but the ones on the rock, that's the second heart, second kind of person, are those who when they hear receive the word with joy. Let's camp on this just for a real quick moment. How many of you people have heard people respond to an altar call and they receive it with joy? Like, I got saved and we're all happy family and we're getting around them, high five, so-and-so gave their hearts light. This girl came in and then two weeks later, we never see them again. I'm just being church honest here. How many of you have seen it? I've seen it for 40 years. I've done it myself. Because I wasn't saved until I was saved. I responded on older calls because of emotion and knowing that, you know, my parents taught about Christianity. I understood logically that there is a God. I could feel His presence and the music was going and I was just like wanting to go up and respond and that sort of stuff, but I was never sincere. Never really came to that place of full surrender. Two weeks later, I'm back up on the world. I used to get discouraged. Say, what's wrong with me? Why can't I hold this thing? Because I hadn't really given my all. Disciple. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root. Who believe for a while, temporary. And in time, the temptation falls. The word there means temporary. For a while means lasting only for a short time. Temporary faith, but it's not a permanent faith. Now, the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked 
with the cares, with the riches, the pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. Can I say this? I kind of think this. Um, uh, I, I don't know if I've ever told you this before. Um, I use this as an analogy. True story. My parents used to support the under church over in Russia and that and uh, give money and Bibles and sort of things. And they used to cut pieces of the Bible out and used to be sent different ways to organizations because it was contraband. The Bible was contraband in Russia at that point. And, and, um, but they said there was a real true story. There was uh, three uh, Russian guards that came in, Red Army, came into a church and said, right, we're going to machine gun everybody down that believes that Jesus Christ is Lord. And about 70% of the people took off. There's a whole lot of people that stayed back. The ones that stayed back, the guards looked around a little bit, looked out the doors, looked out the windows and said, okay, we're actually believers as well in the Red Army. But the reason why we've come here is because it's, it, it's our necks. These guys, any of those guys could rat on us. And if you're prepared to stay here under a machine gun and be killed for the faith, we assume you're not going to rat on us. And they came in, they worshiped with them with their, with their army gears on. Incredible. That is cool, Dave. Let's give the Lord a hand. It is possible to be a wayside hearer or a rocky hearer or a thorn hearer and still remain in the church but produce no fruit. And we try and deliver them. It's so hard. It's like pulling teeth because demons work on the basis of legal ground. Can't get the demons out. How come I'm fighting counseling session one month after another and six months, same thing, same thing, because there was never any repentance. There was never repentance. When we repent, the devil has no, the devil has no legal ground to operate from because he hangs around, ready? Flies hang around what? Decaying things, rotten flesh. It's, it's, a, it's a good picture because it speaks of the flesh life. Demons hang around lust, pornography. They hang around perversions. They hang around bitterness and unforgiveness and resentments and pride and, and um, high-headedness, all that sort of stuff. Intellectual pride hangs around that. Good news. Verse 15. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble, and the word this morning I was looking up means good or virtuous, means excellent heart, and keep it and bear fruit 100-fold. Jesus said this, I have appointed you to produce much fruit. It's talking about twofold. It's fruit in ministry, but it's also fruit in terms of character. How do you know if you're born again? Well, you have to prove that from Scripture. You surrendered your life, and there needs to be the nature of Jesus growing up in there. Not the nature of Jonathan, less Jonathan, but more Christ. Less reaction, more Christ. Less fleshly drive, less about me. Talk to people and me this, me that, I this, I that. People give their testimonies, I this, I that, me this, me this. It's my thing, it's my ministry. Heard about that, my ministry. Oh, really, is it your ministry? I thought Jesus was Lord of our lives, it's His ministry. But because of our own rebellion and our own, our own attitude at times and the way we treat one another at times around the place and around the globe, it, it offends the Lord. It hurts Him when brothers and sisters should be dwelling together in unity. When we don't even, God makes an appointment with us to pray. He makes an appointment with us. We don't even turn up. 
choose other things. God is a lover. He's a serious lover. 1 Thessalonians 5.19, and do not quench the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It means to extinguish. It means to put out. It means to smother. It means to douse. As a Christian, that's what we can do. And I, and I kind of think this, we need to come to a place where we are pursuing Him. Next week, I'm going to talk about five different things on actually how to capture God, how to capture His presence, how to walk with Him, what are practical things that you and I can do. And we'll have an old call around that, but I'm just feeling like what matters right now is that you are completely and absolutely born of the Spirit of God. That's the message. And number two, we need to make sure that we're walking as Christians, as born-again believers, in repentance. In repentance. If you enjoyed this message, feel free to subscribe and leave a review. We'd also love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Instagram or Facebook at Celebration Raro or visit our website celebration.otonga.com. Until next time.